I have been so sick the last day and a half. I have taken more antihistamines than I have in the last five years put together. So um, I don't know if some of you remember the last time you did that. Um, it makes your head really thick, like you're not sure you're thinking. Like you, you lost a half of your brain cells, and um, I hope that's not permanent. So, <laughs> especially on opening night here that we're opening, we've opened our Bibles and we've started this great book. And it is an exciting book, the book of Isaiah. It's great. It's beautiful. It's a book of prophecies. It's a book of promises. It's a book of warnings, which sometimes we need it. And it's a book of great comfort and hope and a look in the future that just is absolutely out of this world, really. This book of Isaiah is so strong, so good for us. And um, as I was thinking about this man who held the pen, who God used as a clarion voice, I thought about his mission. I thought about his ministry. But I also thought of him personally, realizing that just like us who came into this room tonight, that he was just himself an ordinary man. He was a married man. He was a family man. He had two children. He had problems to face when he went home. He had bills to pay. And just like you and me, he lived in a very complicated, changing world. And I believe that many times when he went to bed, he thought, God, how can there ever be a tomorrow? And some of you might feel like that sometimes. And that is so hard, so hard when we feel overwhelmed by things going on around us. The nation of Israel had once been one nation under God. In fact, I know our nation was one nation under God. And so many promises so many great things that happened in their history, just like ours. They had been delivered from Egypt. They had seen the Red Sea parted. They had survived this amazing 40, day, 40 years in the wilderness and then crossed the Jordan into the promised land. One nation under God. Really, I know of none other except the nation of Israel and the nation of America, to me in my memory, that was founded really on godly principles. And as it was just one nation, they moved into the promised land. But as time went on, they looked around them and they wanted a king. They still wanted God, yes, but they wanted him on his throne way up in the sky, and down here to lead their armies, they wanted a human king. And so they went to Samuel, and they said, we want a king, just like the peoples around us. So God gave them Saul, and then God raised up David, and he had a son named Solomon. And then Solomon's son took over, and he made bad decisions. 
He was young. He was selfish. And um, the nation was split under those circumstances. It became the northern kingdom, Israel, and the southern kingdom, which was Judah. The northern kingdom fell immediately into idolatry and lasted a little over 200 years. It was destroyed by the nation of Assyria 721 years before Christ. The southern kingdom, the nation of Judah, lasted 100 years longer because they had more of a reference for God and for his word. But even them, a hundred years later, they were destroyed by Babylon in the year 600 B.C. As Debbie mentioned, the recommendation to get a Haley's Handbook, it is, it is one of my all-time favorite books. And I opened to the Book of Kings and kind of reviewed the history, the backdrop to Isaiah. And I read the kings of Israel and name after name, I'll just read the, the, the end result. It says names like a king like Jeroboam, that he reigned 20 years, and then it says bad. And on goes down the list of the kings. And here's the list of the kings of the northern kingdom. Bad, 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 extra bad. The worst, bad, Bad mostly, bad mostly, bad, 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 really bad, 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 bad. That's bad. So, so sad. And then starting with Rehoboam, he was bad mostly. And then this is the northern, this is the southern kingdom of Judah. Then the second king, bad mostly. Then there was a good king, a good king, a bad, bad, devilish. Good mostly, good mostly, good, good, wicked, the best, the worst, the worst, the best, bad, wicked, bad, bad, bad. That's a bad way to go. So bad. And when we look at our history, we've had good leadership. We've had great leadership. We've had Abraham Lincoln. And in fact, he's quoted in this book. And one of the things that he said about prayer, he said, I have often been driven to my knees simply because I knew that there was nowhere else to go. Well, Isaiah, when he was a young man, he had one of those really good kings. He started his youth and his life with a king, Uzziah who was on the throne, and he was an amazing king. He was an amazing leader. He was an amazing military man. And again, just to give you the background, I'll read you a little bit about him. Uzziah was 16 years when he became king, and he reigned 52 years in Jerusalem. You know, what a blessing when there is a good leader that he stays in place for a really long time. And when there's a really bad leader, you just, leader, you just want to go, 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 go. Well, he was in place for 52 years. And it says in, in 2 Chronicles chapter 26 that he did what was right in the sight of the Lord according to all his father Amaziah had done. And he sought the Lord in the days of Zechariah. 
Now he went out and made war against the nations around them, against the Philistines and the Arabians and the Minuites. And the Amorites brought tribute to him. His fame spread as far as the entrance of Egypt, for he became exceedingly strong. And Uzziah built towers in Jerusalem at the corner gate, at the valley gate, at the corner buttress of the wall. He built towers in the desert, dug wells, had livestock, had farmlands, built a huge army, 307,000 soldiers. And uh, he just amassed this great kingdom. It was a great time of prosperity, which we love, humanly speaking. He even invented this amazing military, not just strategy, but war machines. So his country felt safe. But then at the end of his story in this chapter, it says, So his fame spread far and wide, for he was marvelously helped until he became strong. He became strong. But when he was strong, his heart was lifted up to destruction. For he transgressed against the Lord his God by entering the temple of the Lord, which was a role that only the priest could enter the temple of the Lord to burn incense. And he brought his censer, And when the priests saw him, they said, no, no, this is dishonoring to the Lord. You cannot do this. And Uzziah became very furious. He had a censer in his hand to burn this incense because he felt like, I am the successful king. And then leprosy broke out across his whole body. And then they really ushered him out because that would make everything he touched unclean. And quite frankly, he wanted to go. And so this great king that was part of Isaiah, now I'm bringing it back to the book of Isaiah, part of Isaiah's youth, so strong, so true to the Lord, so good, has such a bad finish. Why am I bringing this story as the first thing out of the chute when we're talking about the word of God tonight? This is why. When I was um, a baby Christian, probably three months old in the Lord, um, I had a pastor that I greatly respected. He was great at teaching God's word, and he fell in adultery with a 16-year-old girl. And probably within five seconds of hearing that word, which can crash your faith, can't it? When, when you have put your eyes on someone you respected, who was strong in the Lord, and you wanted them to be your leader, and then they crash real bad, within three to five seconds, the Lord spoke to my heart as clearly as he's ever spoken since and said, Debbie, Always remember, keep your eyes higher than man. Look up. I can always be trusted, and my word can always be trusted. Does that mean that we doubt and we live in fear of each other? Never. 
but always our eyes must be on Him. And that's why we need God's Word. We are living in perilous times, are we not? We are living in times that are changing. And so many people have pushed God's word out of their lives. And even God's people sometimes, we can be as guilty as anybody else. One of the scriptures that we read this week was the indictment that the the people of God, the religious people, the people that did go to the temple, they drew near to God with their mouths, but their hearts They were far from God. And and as I read that, sometimes I, I go, Lord, I don't want to ever do that. But sometimes I go, Lord, I think I'm doing that a lot. And how can that be? How can that be? Even us who value God's word. Well, I think, I know for me, sometimes I just get crazy busy. I get overwhelmed. I am multitasking. I'm trying to, to, to juggle too many balls, and some of them are dropping. I mean, you guys look so numb to that, but I don't know. I think somebody in this world has to identify with my world. Like a week before Thanksgiving... We have a little rental house, and six people live there. And uh, we got a water leak. They called me a water leak. Huh? Not a week before Thanksgiving. Okay. So, so um, the plumber, our faithful plumber, went there and stopped the leak. And the insurance company said, um, well, we need to send out the water mitigation company to see how far the water has gone. And uh, okay. Yeah, send them out. I'll, I'll meet them. And, and so they said, well, we're going to do little testers to see where water's traveled. Okay, fine, good. I left for a few hours. I came back, and they had torn out almost all the kitchen. There was no stove. There was no refrigerator. They would cut wall, holes this big in the kitchen that you could walk into the master bathroom. And then you could walk through into the hall. There was huge pieces of wall. It was like a week before Thanksgiving. And, and, and George was in Russia, so it was just me all by myself. So I went to, 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 to Home Depot. I mean, what do you do? You just go to Home Depot. And it was like 7 o'clock at night, and I'm walking down the aisles with my cart, going up and down my the aisles. I need that, and I need that, and I that and an hour later my cart was entirely empty and I thought I need a truck I need an army Uh, what am I going to do and I just thought I was really going to have a meltdown right there just complete emotional meltdown and then I heard I heard a little bird I heard a little bird singing and I thought where is that bird and I looked up in the rafters, Where's, where are you, little bird? Where are you? And I could sit, hear it sing this sweet little forlorn song. It was the sweetest ever. I was looking, and I found that little bird clear up in the rafters in this dark little, coal, little hole. 
And, and I thought, are you hungry? Are you lost? And I just felt like I bonded with that little bird. And just knowing that, that when you're stuck in a dark hole, you have no idea how to get out. And as I stared at that little bird, I just felt helpless to help it. I thought, if I were a bird, I could fly up there and in bird language say, um, I know the way out. Because just five feet below, there was the big door open. And I could see that that, that just five feet below and there's a way out. And you can be free and you can be safe. If I could speak bird language, I could tell that bird the way to be free. And that's what we've got. We've got God's word that comes and speaks right to our language. I love this. And I feel like God wants to teach us to step into it like we've never stepped into it before. And maybe I'm a little sick and have a very short message here tonight because God wants to train you. Uh, one of the girls was telling me that, that as she, she opened and looked to these, these scriptures that we have, that, that scripture after scripture after scripture just lays this incredible fortification of truth after truth after truth. That yes, the grass may fade and wither and die away, but oh, the Lord, the Lord's word will abide forever. And just like rain that comes down, and waters the seed, and the seed grows. It brings forth what God wants it to accomplish. It will never return void. It's confidence in God's word that he wants to establish in this series. And yes, this will be new for some of you, as you just have a blank sheet of, of, of paper and a scripture to look at. But before each lesson, there'll be a good word, and it will give us directive of what to look for. This week, it asks us to always be looking for God, asking the question, what do I learn about God? What do I learn about his word? And then the most important thing that we can end with is how can I apply it? And so as, as I just close this section, I would like to give you three important things that I feel like God wants to reinforce about God's word. And as we bring these scripture home, why is the word of God important? How does his word give you hope when you're living in a crazy, spun out, I can't juggle all these balls. People are doing wrong things. I feel like the bottom's falling out of my world. How can you have hope and courage 
when the world is falling apart, where others are making bad choices that affect your life, as it was true with Isaiah's world. Number one, please write this down. God's word must be to you God's word. God's word. God's voice. As you open his word, we can be student-like. We can look up words. We can look up commentaries. We can look up history and yet completely miss the presence of God. Don't do that. Realize that's the treasure, is that it, it leads you to him. I live in a two-story home, and my husband's voice is kind of soft and um, gravelly, and he has this really bad habit of standing in some faraway room and talking to me while I'm in the back upstairs room. And, and I, I have this constant habit, um, George, I can't hear you. <laughs> and so he keeps talking, and so I follow the voice until I'm there and can see him and talk to him. Well, I guess that that's a pretty good model to follow for us. As we hear what he's saying, pause and saying, God, I want to know what you're saying to me. I need to learn about you. I need to know you better. This morning I was reading the story of Joseph. And truthfully, I look forward to the story of, of his, his journey every year when I read the one-year Bible, but then I am entirely undone as I read it. I am entirely under, undone as I, as I watch wave after wave of hardship cross upon his life on the heels of disappointment and um, you know unfair treatment. But then I look for that one golden cord in his story. And it says it over and over and over again. But the Lord was with him. But the Lord was with him. But the Lord was with him. And as I read it this morning, I felt the Lord breaking through some of my storms and turning the story to not being about Joseph, but to being about my world. I want to encourage you as you record things that you learn about God, write messages to him. In my margin this morning, I just wrote, God, I need, I need you in every corner of my world. I need these words that no matter what crashes against me, there's a but God is with her. And then that there's a scripture this week that talks about precept after precept, line upon line. And when I thought about God is with Joseph and God be with me, then I thought of his promises that he said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. 
And I just got, went on this journey of these precepts and promises and truths that he's taught me. And I refreshed them. And it gave me courage to get up and face my day. Right in your margins, practice his presence. Practice his presence. Number two. Number two. In Isaiah 119, he says, If you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. If you are willing and you are obedient, you are you will eat the good of the land. That's a promise to the nation of Israel, to a man like Isaiah, to an ordinary woman like us. Willing and obedience. The Bible says to be doers of God's word and not hearers only. That's the application Application, application. Take something from your reading, from your journaling, from your looking up words. God, how does this fit into my world? How can I apply it? A few days ago, on January 15th, the proverb for the day for, for, uh, for me was Proverbs 3.17. And it was speaking of wisdom. And it came like a, Oh, like, oh my goodness, like water in the face. And it said, of wisdom, all her ways are pleasant ways, and all her paths are peace. I love that. Let me say it again. Wisdom, the words of God, the wisdom of God. When we apply it, all her ways are pleasant ways, all her paths are peace. Well, why it hit me in the face was because the day before, because I've been multitasking and crazy busy and not feeling too good, I've been cranky. I've been harsh, impatient, and cranky, especially to my husband. I hate that. And I went to him and I said, I hate it when I'm like that. And I could hear the words unspoken that he was thinking. He was thinking, I hate that too. (laughs) And so here, all her ways, wisdom, are pleasant ways and all her paths are peace. I got on my knees and I said, God, give me another chance. Can't undo yesterday but I can watch you help me today. And I had five dilemmas to iron out that day. And the Lord just charged me up. And I said that verse to myself and to him. And and just in my mind, like 45 times as I drove, as I took each task. And it was the most fun day ever. He gave me incredibly sweet things and nice things to say and do. It was just like a whole page turn that was so great. And I feel like like that the Lord wants us to dovetail with Isaiah 1, verse 18. This amazing, wonderful thing that the Lord says. He says, come now. Let us reason together. And you, 
you'd think that would be an introduction to some thing where he's going to say, you've been irrational and unreasonable, and I am going to take you, talk you off the cliff. Instead, he says, though your sins are scarlet, I'll make them white as snow. How sweet is that? Like, like for me, I felt like I had failed, like I've not had a great attitude, like I've not been kind and gentle in pleasant ways. And the Lord just talked me off the cliff and said, let's, let's talk this out. Let's just talk this out. Though you've messed up, though you've made mistakes, though you've not been who you wanted to be in your world, I can give you that second chance. What a God we have. And this is where he wants to take us as we go into his word and just write before him and sit before him. One last point, and I will find it because my head's a little... Um, Bessie, that I can't remember what the third point is. Okay, here's the third point. is to believe his promises that are not yet fulfilled. Isaiah is a book of many promises, some of which Isaiah never saw in his lifetime, and yet they're true now. And he knew it. And I remember years ago, Tammy, um, precious Tammy, who goes here, she's married to an unbeliever, and she was crying to the Lord, Lord, when will my husband come to know you? And the Lord spoke to her heart, Tammy, if he comes to know me at your funeral, is that too late? And she thought about it for a moment, and she said, no, Lord. That's not too late. And God is going to give you lots of promises as you look in this amazing, beautiful book. And maybe you're going to wait for some of them. And I believe that at least one of the promises that I'm longing for, which I, I believe will come true, might not happen in my lifetime, but I will see them. Because my life here on earth is just a vapor. Amen? We live for the eternal. And in this book, he's going to teach us to look up. And to listen. And then to live it out. Amen? Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you haven't left us adrift with no wisdom, with no promises, with no living voice to meet us in our darkest hour and our deepest need. And God, I pray that you would help us to be hungry and thirsty for your word, that we would just rejoice as we see those promises unfold. And God, that we would want to embrace it like our life's breath. 
and know that literally, spiritually, emotionally, even physically, your word is that. And so, God, we pray in these groups, these precious groups, that you would bond us to each other, that as as we speak and share, that we'd be transparent and needy, and then just, just watch you fill us up with love and truth and light. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.